Welcome to Tech Talks, a podcast hosted by the Rotman Commerce Fintech Association about all things business, finance, and technology. Let's dive into today's episode. Welcome to the Tech Talks podcast. We are here today with Christina Camacho, the founder and CEO of Ivy Lender for our entrepreneurship episode of the Gender Gap in Finance and Technology series. So welcome to the podcast, Christina. Thank you for having me. So to start off, I guess, knowing that entrepreneurship is a difficult path and everything, um, can you tell us a little bit about your company, how you started it, and then what you do? Sure. So uh, I started my company in 2016. I was working in banking um, for about 10 years, and I decided that I wanted to build technology that uh, would address a group of underserved um, borrowers that I was um, working with day to day at the bank, but unfortunately unable to help um, due to the gap in financing available to small businesses. Um, I started my company at 29, so I did it before, um, you know, I had too much, too many responsibilities, uh, you know, family and all of that. And so I took the risk by quitting my job and starting my company. Um, We just celebrated five years in business. We've had a couple of pivots along the way. We actually started as a payment processing company and pivoted um, into alternative lending, but we, we have been around and we're in the United States. Um, is our home base, but we also have a presence in Canada. Um, So we were brought to Montreal in uh, 2018 for um, the Holt Accelerator, which is what um, really promoted us uh, in the market and helped us gain exposure, um, as well as connecting with young talent um, at universities, um, predominantly in Quebec. But yeah, that's our story. Yeah, that sounds amazing. Yeah. And it, I, I guess I didn't hit on what Ivy Lender does. So we are a, um, we are a loan marketplace. So um, we will sort data and match um, borrowers with lenders. So either traditional lenders uh, or alternative lenders, sometimes family offices. And we're are predominantly focused on small business, but we're expanding into things like consumer and business credit cards um, so people can actually apply and get um, an issued credit card right on our website. And um, we still offer payment processing um, through a partner channel. And um, we are, you know, we're we're looking to diversify our product offering um, and see how we can add value to our clients constantly. Great. Yeah. So with your vast experience in banking, what pushed you to go out on your own to start Ivy Lender? So I worked at a bank in Miami-Dade and the market was, um, I would say, 99% male. And, um, you know, it was a it was a really interesting work environment at the last bank that I was at. And, um, you know, I I felt that we we were missing the mark on a few things. I think um, in terms of diversity, there was just really not a lot of diversity, which did present its challenges. Um, I think a, a lot of my peers treated me like I was their um, secretary instead of their counterpart. Um, so there was a little bit of that that pushed me to want to go out on my own and get out get outside of the corporate structure. Um, but, you know, really, it was just the idea of innovating. Um, I was always inspired by my 
clients and their story of success. I have had wildly successful clients that I've had the pleasure of banking um, in the 10 years that I was a banker. And I loved hearing the story of perseverance or perseverance. And for some reason, it resonated with me before I ever took the leap. I knew one day I wanted to start something of my own. I just wasn't sure until one day I just took the leap and had enough of it and um, and decided that this was my time. That's, yeah, that's really great. Thanks for sharing that. So you mentioned that like most of the workforce was male. So have you ever had any uh, moments of like imposter syndrome and how did you instill confidence in yourself? I have imposter syndrome every day. <laughs> so, um, you know, I, I can tell you a couple of times where it's really been, um, a, it's really been strong, the feeling of imposter syndrome. So I feel it when I'm getting awards. I feel it when um, people that I've never met come up to me and, and say they know about me, um, which happens at, um, there was actually a Women in Finance Summit in Toronto um, that I attended a couple years ago and I was nominated for Women of the Year and uh, which that alone was a little bit of imposter syndrome <laughs> and there was some really wonderful women that came up to me that were you know in terms of their demographics they were probably 20 or 30 years my senior um, yet they came to me with just a little timidness and nervousness and they said they had been following my career and they knew about my company and what we've been doing and you know it was a it was to me a huge compliment <laughs> number one but it was also very much like you know I, I, I feel you know you can feel very beaten down as an entrepreneur um, because there's a lot of failures before a success or for every, you know, one positive thing, there may be 20 um, hurdles or, you know, obstacles that you're presented with. And that's really where the, the imposter syndrome comes from. And when you raise venture capital, as I do, you have, you receive a lot of no's before you receive a yes. And that's with anyone raising venture capital, but you know, even more so for women, um, statistically, we just have it, you know, we have to make that many more calls. Um, and also, we face a completely biased line of questioning, um, which you can, you know, reference in the Harvard Business Review, um, that, you know, they're more, they're more, um, you know, the, the frame of questioning that a venture capitalist will present to a female founder is going to be more risk, um, you know, more risk tolerant questions or intolerant questions versus like, you know, a male can present the same pitch deck and they're going to just go solely on, you know, projections and, you know, ideas and, you know, it's, it's, it's a, there's a huge bias. Yeah, there are definitely many difficulties that come with entrepreneurship. So with that being said, what were some challenges that you faced? Entrepreneurship has been the hardest thing I've ever done. It is a life-changing experience and it has been, you know, really, it has been really a testament to my resilience um, because there have been challenges personally that have been a direct result of my professional challenges. Um, you know, it, it weighs on your relationships with your significant others 
um, with your family, with your friends. And when a business doesn't take off right away, at a certain point, people around you start to doubt whether or not you are um, going to be able to achieve your goals. And, you know, they can start to look down on you or be become a little bit negative. And um, when you hear the stories of, you know, highly successful entrepreneurs, they all have that same, you know, that same story in the sense they're all, you know, individually different, but there's that underlying tone of um, being resilient through hard times. And for anyone that goes into starting a business, it's not a walk in the park. I mean, I guess there's a few and far between that have a business handed to them where they hit the jackpot from day one. But for the most part, you know, there's statistically going to be a life cycle um, that will will start off pretty, pretty hard. Um, but if you stick it out, you can learn a lot about yourself. And you can teach others around you that, um, that you know, and guide them the, with your experience to make it a little bit easier for the next, um, the next incoming group of entrepreneurs. Yeah, that's really great. So um, going back a little bit now to how you were talking about venture capital and, you know, how it's harder for women, especially when they're trying to raise venture capital. Can you share a little bit more about your experience there, how you were able to kind of overcome some of the challenges maybe that you were faced with? Yeah, I mean, I still have challenges, right? So um, I've given over 600 pitches to um, venture capitalists in the in North America, so in the U.S. and Canada. And um, one would think that I would have raised a ton of money with that many conversations. And I haven't. Um, you know, I've had to sustain my business through um, through bootstrapping. Um, we do have a family office on our cap table that is one of our investors. They believed in us early on. Um, they, you know, put us through their accelerator in 2018, which is what brought us to Montreal. And, you know, that was our positive experience with venture capital. However, um, you know, with women, you almost have to be on the verge of really taking off before people take you serious. Um, versus, you know, napkin ideas in Silicon Valley, where, you know, some people are getting massive checks on a pie in the sky valuation, pre-money valuation and idea that may or may not work. So, you know, it's the only thing I can say to that is that even though we, we haven't received a tremendous amount of venture capital backing to date, we have been in a position through COVID to keep our operations lean and to sustain through an economic downturn because we've had to rely on self-funding for all of these years. And we, um, we now have, we now have investors forming us mm -hmm. with the success that we've accomplished um, internationally and um, domestically and what we've done with virtually no venture capital backing. Um, so we're going into a new position with what has happened through COVID where we are in, we are picking who we partner with moving forward. So right now I have no shortage of investors um, post COVID or, you know, post this pandemic because we've done a lot. 
this past year when everyone else was hurting or having, you know, all these venture backed companies that had all this high overhead, the fancy offices with the beer on tap and the, you know, the bicycles and all of that. Um, we didn't have all of those luxuries. And so we've been scaling during COVID while everyone else has been shutting down or getting acquired. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's great that you share that because I think it's important to kind of show that other aspect of entrepreneurship and how it's not always just like, you know, you go with venture capital, everything's all successful. And um, there's different ways to be successful in a business and, um, you know, raise funding. So, um, yeah, we really appreciate how you're able to share your story. Um, so when you first started Ivy Lenders, then how did you build cre- credibility so that businesses would come to you for support in relation to business loans and that area? So we, um, we've we had a, a couple of different uh, ways that we've been able to penetrate the market without funding. Um, 99% of our business is referral-based. Um, we get referrals directly from payment processors across the U.S., Um, We partner with roughly 60 payment processors. Um, Each of them have a portfolio of a couple hundred to a couple thousand clients. And they're already the financial advisor to those clients. So when when those clients are looking for working capital, usually they go to their bank or to their processor secondary um, to see what options are available. So we do not acquire clients like like the other fintechs where we just buy raw data we actually have, you know, just one removed connection between our borrowers and us. So it's a, they're all warm introductions. Yeah, that's really great. So um, throughout your career, you've accomplished quite a bit. As you said earlier, you've been um, named the 40 under 40 game changer in the payment space and the first out of 50 most influential founders in the world by Harrington Star. So what would you say is the biggest factor to being able to achieve and, you know, push your career forward and be able to have these achievements? What would you say has been like one of the biggest factors to your success? Uh, Resilience. (laughs) So hard work, determination, um, believing in in my team and our products in our company, our vision, and really just toughing out the hard times and not letting anyone stop me. And sometimes that includes personal relationships. And that can be a very hard thing for women, especially Um, when you're in love and you are wanting to build a family. um, When you own a business, it, it has, and if you want to be successful, it really has to be everything to you. And that includes sacrificing time that others are, you know, are too selfish to do, quite frankly. Um, You know, people that are nine to fivers, they clock in and clock out and they leave their work at home and or at the office. I mean, and with a founder, it doesn't stop for you. Um, It's 24 seven. You know, it could be in the middle of a holiday that you have one of your biggest clients having an issue that needs to be resolved and your family has to, you know, take a back seat. And so that can be really challenging for women, especially because we're so used to um, juggling family and business. But, um, you know, I think a work-life balance is something that is challenging for any founder, not just, you know, not just specific to a gender. It's always um, it's always a challenge. If you look at the statistics of the divorce rates of entrepreneurs, it's pretty high um, because, you know, it's 
typically hard to understand a founder's mindset and commitment. Um, it's something really only founders understand among one another. Definitely. I think resilience is definitely one of the uh, most important characteristics of an entrepreneur. So like along your journey, what mistakes have you made like along the way? And what advice would you have for others who want to set off in a similar direction? So some of the mistakes that I've made have been um, jumping into partnerships with people or jumping into hiring specific people. Um, I think that when you are starting out, the things that are exciting to you are maybe not necessarily the things that make the most sense for your business. I don't know how to say that without giving an example of what I've done wrong, but, um, you know, I look back at the last five years and I've done a lot of things wrong. And if those things hadn't happened, I wouldn't have become a better founder or operator. And so they can be painful in the moment, but what's important is learning to not make that mistake again, um, whatever challenge is presented. And I think that another issue that can arise is when you're starting out and you are constrained with cash, you may want to involve friends as employees. And that can really hurt a business because when you have a connection to someone emotionally, it can be very challenging to detach that friendship or even your, you know, if it's a family member and if they're hurting your business, you need to be able with any employee to cut it off immediately for the betterment of your company. And um, as a founder, when you are self-funded, you're reaching out for cheap labor or as many resources as you can get for as little as possible. And so I think that that is a big mistake that I made where I mixed business and pleasure. Um, advice to future founders, uh, I, you know, follow your dreams and don't give up. And we can be our worst enemy, our biggest doubters. And, uh, you know, it's, you're just one idea away from changing your life. And I think that there's no, nothing more rewarding than seeing an idea that comes out of your brain become a product or a service that someone uses. Um, it's, it's really like nothing else. That's awesome. And it's really great advice that you give as well. So now moving into kind of, I saw that you were quite passionate about the advancement of women in the community. You've been involved in the junior league of greater Fort Lauderdale um, and then the women's network in electronic transitions. Is this, is there a story behind these involvements and what made you want to become so involved in, you know, gender equality, the advancement of women? So I think it's really important for women to, um, to help other women break the glass ceiling. There's so much room for, um, advancement of women that still exist. There's, there's still a gap and in the workforce and really anything in, in all areas of life, really. And, um, you know, the generation above me and the generation above them had a really hard path of getting to the top. And a lot of those women 
are threatened by younger women coming in, more beautiful women, more smarter women, more talented women that have a, you know, a new, you know, skill set that they may not have. And sometimes those senior women can actually be the, the biggest critics of future generations. And I've experienced it myself and I'm committed to not being that kind of founder or, you know, influencer on the next generation. I know how hard I've worked to get to where I am. And I know how important it is to have a mentor that can help you get that in that path. So two women in my life have made a huge impact on me. And, um, and there's been a shift that has happened since they came into my life. So my first hiring manager I followed her three separate times at banks before going out on my own. She makes a lot of money at a corporate bank. And my dream has been to have her come work as a senior level, you know, executive at my company. And she has told me now since, you know, since everything that I've been through with entrepreneurship, how she looks up to me and how I have um, not outgrown her, but done things that she never had the, you know, the guts to do. So I still look at her in the eyes of the 22 year old that first started working my had my first corporate job working for her. And, you know, she inspired me and I always looked up to her, but now she looks up to me in a way. And it, and it's a, it's an, a little bit of the imposter syndrome, right? But that woman who I worked for that, you know, all those times has never her ability to train me and to believe in me at such a young age and to develop me and to expose me to things that she did at such a young age never changed um is something that I've never taken for granted and that's something I hope to be able to replicate for multiple women I then had a mentor through the through the electronic payments association you mentioned um and she you know, I reached out to the head of the organization and I said, look, I think I'm in over my head. I started this company. Um, when you start a company, there's no manager to tell you what to do. And that seems very liberating, but it also can be pretty scary. <laughs> and um, and so I ended up uh, asking the organization if there was a senior woman that would be willing to take me under her wing and just bounce ideas off of her and just kind of keep me in check, right, as a, as a green founder. And that is why I want to give back because women like that have, you know, dedicated themselves to really breaking down the barriers. And so many women have, are still not doing that. You know, I can tell you stories of women that have humiliated me in pitches and, um, and held me back. And, you know, I, I've seen both sides of it and I just want to be on the, on the side of inspiring others. Yeah, I think having a mentor um, these days is really important for yeah. like personal growth and stuff to see how other people are like living their life and see what you can learn from them. So on that note, how did you build these relationships with your mentors? So the, the, like I mentioned, that one organization, I reached out to the executive director asked and asked, is there a senior woman that's in my space? that has experienced some of the things that I'm coming into or currently going through that'd be willing to mentor me. And I got connected to her through the executive director. I actually live a couple miles down the street from her now. <laughs> At the time I lived in Florida and she lived in Atlanta. 
that I moved up to Atlanta to be closer to her and to, um, you know, be in the payments epicenter. But, um, you know, to have someone that like that, uh, you know, it's, it's really crucial. I think it's crucial at any stage, even if you're not a founder, but the more successful you become, there's a, there's a saying it's very lonely at, at the top. It's extremely lonely to be a founder um, and to not have a support system around you that understand what you're putting yourself through. Yeah, that's that's really important because when it comes to, you know, business and everything, relationships are quite important. And so I like how you highlight these things about, you know, finding a mentor, the importance of that, because, um, yeah, entrepreneurship can be pretty lonely. So um, that's really great. Um, also, how you mentioned there were some people who held you back. How did you overcome this and like find a strength within yourself to keep going and you know, hold yourself and persevere, even though there's people that are trying to hold you back. You just got to cut those people out and move on and just try to talk, be your biggest cheerleader at the times of doubt. I, I had a very successful woman humiliate me at a, at a competition. Um, I flew into New York. I was living in Montreal at the time and I flew in for to give a pitch at this you know fintech uh fintech you know challenge if you will it was about 40 companies i was there was two female founders out of 40 male-led companies and this woman stood up and she was the head of one of the largest funds in the world and as soon as she stood up and she introduced herself i was immediately impressed with her um, you know, inspired by her, wanted to meet her, wanted to get to know her. And, you know, I gave my pitch and I nailed it because I've just mentioned I've given hundreds of pitches. I've gone through accelerators. I've gone through like intensive training on, on, you know, delivery of speeches and all of that. And, um, this woman, she, at the end of my pitch, uh, just rips me to shreds to the point where, it was almost embarrassing to walk out of that office. I had five emails by the time I got to the airport apologizing on behalf of that woman. And really the only reason she did it was, you know, I, I don't really know. I really, I still don't know, but that still kind of sits with me because the level of respect that I gave her when she stood up as someone who paved the way for us, for you, for me. Um, and that, I mean, she ran the, the, one of the largest funds in the world, innovation for, you know, this, if I told you the name, it, you'd be like, wow. And it was hard. It still is hard. I have not gone over that because I just want to never, ever make a woman feel the way that she made me feel that day. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, thank you so much for sharing your story. Your resilience is really inspiring, especially um, along your entrepreneurship journey. I'm sure um, a lot of listeners will agree. And um, so thank you so much for sharing that. To wrap up, our last question for you is, what does success mean to you? Success for me means um, having a positive impact on my borrowers um, and my employees. So really running a company where people are proud to work with me, they're proud to work and be a part of the company. And 
they're they're happy to make a difference on a small business's you know day to day life and help them pursue their dreams um, with a little bit of relief and working capital. Thank you so much again for coming on to the podcast today, Christina. It was really great to hear your story. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Tech Talks. We'll see you in the next one.